0: This is going to be a really heavy podcast that might be difficult to listen to. It covers addiction, loss, grief, and all the emotions that are wrapped around those things. If that taps into something for you, I strongly recommend you give this episode a pass and come back next week. Uh, If you do decide to listen, um, just want to make sure that You're prepared for those things and kind of take the steps you need to take good self-care throughout the episode and obviously walk away from it if you feel the need to at any point. This is the story of my brother, Kai. Sunday, October 18th, 2015. It was a day that started like any other. I was making pancakes for my daughter and wife, enjoying a Sunday morning. It was interesting because I was coming off one of the professional highlights of my career, doing the opening keynote at LinkedIn's Talent Connect Conference and unveiling HR open source to the world and emceeing the live stream. And I was riding that high, very much. Um, But then I got a phone call, and this call changed my life forever. It was about my brother, and he was gone. The truth is I've been kind of dreading this podcast. You know, when I launched this series, my intent was to cover all of the Fast Company articles that uh, I would be writing and that includes ones that I've written in the past. And this episode is based on an article I wrote for Fast Company a couple of years after my brother died from addiction, from opioid addiction. And I wanted to honor him by sharing that story, his story, and really kind of what a awakening and, frankly, a reckoning uh, addiction became in my life and how it set me on a path to really understand and empathize more with addiction. So getting back to that, Sunday morning, you know, I got the call from his son's mother, his former partner, that uh, he was in the hospital, and after a series of calls, you know, discovered that he was in ICU, and uh, jumped on the first plane I could to try to get back and see him, and I, uh, I didn't make it. Had a lot of questions. For me, I had never dealt with addiction. Um... You know, I guess in that sense, I was kind of lucky and and sheltered. I'd never, you know, experienced it firsthand um, up until this. You know, nobody, um, you know, that I loved, friends and family that uh, I knew of, uh, at least that I, you know, again knew of, battled with uh, addiction and substance abuse. So the, um, you know, I I was left with so many questions of just what what happened, how did he get to that point, you know, why didn't he? come to me for help. Um, what, you know, drive somebody to kind of get to that point where that's the way they feel they need to, um, kind of escape. And I think the first week, um, you know, I'll let's face it. I was a wreck. Um, there was a suddenness to losing Kai, that was really hard to process. You know, i had experienced loss before. I lost my mom to multiple sclerosis in 2000 and my father to cancer in 2010. So I was no stranger to loss, but this was, this was different. So I had experienced this before, but, um, you know, with a long-term disease. You, you can, you know, what's coming. You can plan for it. Uh, you can, you know, kind of make peace with it. Um, I'd never experienced anything like this. And again, because I was so naive around addiction, I just had so many questions. I, I wanted to know why. I went through a, a spectrum of emotions, just trying to you know, piece together what had happened to him. And, you know, it made me realize that I was, uh, in a lot of ways really fortunate because the, the more I read, the more I, I learned, the more widespread the, uh, opioid epidemic is, um, you know, I realized just how very common it was. And I think, in my search for answers after Kai's death, I really, you know, I wanted to understand addiction better. I wanted to understand, um, you know, opioid addiction specifically. And, you know, I learned a lot about it. He was taking a a cancer pain drug called Opana. And, um, you know, there's a particular epidemic in South Florida uh, around that. And I think the... You know, the the widespread nature of the epidemic um, made it hard for him to avoid it. And what I learned about Opana later is that it actually rewires the chemistry uh, in your brains so that, you know, from an addictive standpoint, it's it's absolutely catastrophic. Uh, you know, you, you pretty much can't just get off of it without intervention and without help. And, you know, I, 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 asked myself many times over the, you know, the next couple of years, what, what could I have done differently? Um, how could I have helped? Did I, did I miss warning signs? And I think that, um, you know, in general addicts are really good at being addicts. They're really good at hiding, um, their addiction and and masking it however they need to so that they can keep it going. And, um, you know, that was, that was hard to, you know, to kind of get to that point. You, you analyze everything. You, you try to look back and see, uh, what, what, you know, were there things you could have picked up on that you didn't? Did you, did you let that person down? And, um, you know, I think fortunately I, I didn't, I didn't really kind of get hung up on, on that phase. Uh, it it was more of just, uh, empathy and feeling for him and, and feeling, you know, just so bad that he was in this place that he felt that he needed that to cope with being alive. And I think with a lot of addiction, there's, um, it's more than just addiction. It's, it's mental health, it's depression. Uh, there's so many things that are woven into it that, I think for many people who've never seen addiction up close and they've never experienced it, there's this certain stigma around it. And I think that certainly played in for Kai, you know, Kai was a, a proud man. Um, he, you know, grew up in an era that you've, you know, you don't talk about your feelings, you know, and I think that there's a lot of, um, you know legacy kind of you know macho manly bullshit that uh guys in particular um tend to hold on to where we don't express ourselves and we don't talk about our feelings and we don't really open up to our friends or our family and we bottle up whatever we're dealing with inside and uh and that kills us and and I think looking at Kai you know, his struggles really were a mix of, of depression and mental health and addiction. It wasn't just one thing. Um, and so for me, you know, this was really, obviously it it was touched me as deeply and as personally as you can possibly get. Uh, it's something that I'm, you know, I'm still recovering from. I imagine I always will be. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that I, I tried kind of coping after Kai's loss was to write about it and to write about um, him and his life and his loss and, um, you know, kind of the hole that left in our family. And I think that there was a certain, um, you know, it's kind of relief for me in, in writing about what I was going through. And, uh, I, I was really touched by a lot of the response that I got from friends and, uh, you know, strangers in some cases responding to what I was going through and sharing their own stories. And it really made me realize just how widespread this epidemic is and how many people are touched by addiction, how many families are, you know, torn apart by addicts and, And it really developed this deeper sense of understanding and empathy. And, you know, soon, not long after Kai died, you know, we lost Prince, we lost Tom Petty. There's lots of high profile um, losses to prescription drugs and, and opioid abuse. And, you know, every time one of those headlines hit, uh, I, I mourned them, but I thought of Kai and I thought of all of the, you know, hundreds of thousands of Kai's all around the world that are your, your neighbors and your teachers and your children and your pastors and, you know, everybody. This is not a class uh, epidemic. This is not a situation uh, that only applies to a subset of, of the population. This applies to everybody. And the more I got to understand addiction, um, you know, the more empathy I gained around what that struggle is like for families. And and in writing about Kai's death, you know, one of my aims was to, to try to start to remove some of that stigma. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who struggle with addiction keep it to themselves. They hide it. They, um, they don't go for help. Because they're too proud and they're too worried about how they'll be received or not by their family and their friends uh, and their coworkers, And so they don't seek help. Um, they don't do the things that you need to do to break that cycle of addiction. And I really wanted to try to start chipping away at that stigma by sharing Kai's story. And frankly my story because now they were intertwined and I was, uh, you know, somebody who was going to have to, to live the rest of my life with the impact of addiction and, and what that can do to a family. And so when I approached my fast company editor about, you know, that particular piece that I wrote, um, you know, I wanted to make it part Kai's story, um, but also part kind of the role of companies and the impact that this has on the workforce. And I didn't want to make it just a, uh, a, a, you know, let's make this a work related story because it was too personal for me to do that effectively. But what I wanted to do was to talk to some friends, um, who had opened up to me about, um, having addiction in their own lives, their, their own kind of families and, you know, share some of that experience. And, and I think that, as uh, as employers go, you know, what we have to realize is that there is there's a web that is woven around the addict. It's not just the addict. So if you have an employee that's an addict, that's one thing. And hopefully you have infernal resources to support those employees. But the reality is that their families are affected. Their friends are affected. Their loved ones are affected. The, the, the kind of circle of impact that extends around the addict goes much broader than, you know, one individual struggling with that disease. And so I think in in writing that piece and in sharing Kai's story, uh, I was really just hoping to kind of raise the, the conversation and the narrative um, that addiction can happen to anybody. And there isn't a particular... Um, you know, group or demographic that is, is solely, um, you know, victim to, to addiction and happens to, to everybody. And I think the more we can talk about this openly, the more we can have these kind of conversations, the more we can share our stories in terms of people that are impacted by addiction, uh, the more we can begin to chip away at that stigma. And, and I think if we're able to do that, um, ultimately we're going to save lives because people are going to feel more comfortable getting the help they need to break that cycle because you know, it's just not something that a lot of people can do on their own without help. So we have to make them uh, more comfortable with the idea of getting help. We have to make it more acceptable to be able to raise your hand and, go to your family and your friends and maybe even your coworkers and get that help that you need uh, because that's a good way that we're going to save lives. The reality is Kai was a lot more than an addict. He was a brother, a friend, an incredible dad. He was somebody that was really one of the most generous people that I met and I knew. And, um, he was funny. He was he was emotional. I mean, he was so many things. I I vividly remember my my family is is a long line of criers, uh, big German burly dudes who cry a lot. And uh, my dad was that way. My my brother was certainly that way. And I vividly remember uh, at my wedding in two thousand six, um, my brother was my best man, and uh, everybody who knew us and uh, you know knew our. Uh, propensity for tears, uh, had a running bet how far into his speech he'd start crying. And that became kind of the talk of the wedding and, and the running joke. And uh, he got misty, but he held it together. He, he didn't actually uh, he didn't actually cry until he was done. And so uh, that was amazing. I mean it was one of so many great memories. And you know the thing about any any loss like this, you know the, the trauma of the loss never goes away. Um, but in time it's, it's those memories that you really cherish and and you hold on to. And so, you know, I have so many fond memories of Kai, but I wanted to really kind of end this podcast on who Kai was before he fell prey to addiction, um, and the kind of man he was, the kind of father he was. And so I asked several of his friends and, and my friends to share their thoughts on Kai And I want to turn it over to them so that you can get a picture of who Kai really was because his character and his person goes much deeper than his addiction. The first is Kai's former partner and the mother of his son, Melody Malcolmson.
1: We met about 22 years ago, and I remember one of our first dates, we actually went to go do line dancing classes. We did it for a few weeks. I'm sure he probably doesn't want anyone to know that, but he was always a trooper and would try anything, from our kickboxing classes to just about anything. He was just a loving, sweet person, great father, sometimes funny. But he always had this charming, charismatic personality that when he walked into the room, he definitely lit the room up. Um, We miss him every day. He was a loving, caring, sensitive man. He would give anyone the shirt off his back if asked to, or even not asked to. Um, I had the great opportunity of knowing him for about 17 years. He gave me the best thing in life, which is our son, Kyle. Kai was always funny, there for anyone at any given time. You know, he came to all of our family functions for Christmas, Thanksgiving, at every football game for his son. He doted over Kyle more than anything in his life. Kyle was his sunshine.
0: The truth is, Kai had that kind of impact on everyone he knew as reinforced by his friends, Kevin Cosgrove, Sandy Sunheim, and Becky Watson.
2: One of my fondest memories of Kai was always stopping at his work, him out there working all the time,
0: bumming a cigarette, sitting around shooting the shit of what was going on that week, what we were planning to do that weekend. I miss that big guy. So drive by there all the time, wishing I could stop in and bum that cigarette. Take care, brother. Kai was a
1: very special person to me. We had a great friendship, and I miss that so much. We met in middle school and instantly became friends. We did a lot of fun stuff together. And one of the things I'll always remember about Kai is my family had a nickname for me always, which was Bear, and he always addressed me as Bear every time he saw me and then, of course, gave me the biggest bear hug ever. So I will always miss that, hearing his voice. Call me Bear, and um, I'll never forget ya. Love you, Kai. I
3: met Kai Schmidt in high school. He was a very handsome man, very popular, very kind, very loving. And then I found out that he had a sick mother, and he would be hanging out with us, and he would have to leave to relieve his dad. So his dad could go do his errands and he would sit with his mother. Then his mother passed and we were all still friends. And then Kai had a little boy named Kyle. And this almost makes me want to cry because little Kyle was Kai's everything. He loved him so much. And he was a great father.
0: People who knew Kai for a long time loved him and had that view of him. In 2000, my mother passed away after a long battle with multiple sclerosis. Several years later, my father remarried and our kind of small family got a little bigger. And so these next quotes are from my father's second wife, Becky Schmidt, and her son and my brother, Jay Williams, uh, as well as my best friend, Rob Harrell.
4: And I met Kai Jr. in February 2011, shortly after I started dating his father. We liked each other almost instantly and remained close until his death. Like his father, you knew when he was in the room. Hard of hearing from his days on a Navy ship, um, I guess you say parking jets on the top deck, Kai talked loud, and he loved to talk mostly about Kyle, his son, whom he adored, and his friends. He also liked talking about some of the customers he had at Rapco Trailer Connections, where he worked closely with his father. Kai actually liked all of his customers and would go all out to fix a motor, trailer, chainsaw, whatever was broken. He took a lot of pride in his work, and that is an admirable trait. Hard to find anymore. He loved his family. He missed his mother and acquired a tattoo to honor her. Kai Sr. didn't care for it, but I thought it was sweet. We all grieve in different ways. He and his father were were very close. It's hard to work with family day in and day out, and for the most part, they had fun and worked well together. Kai Sr. was so proud of Kai and his work ethic and knowledge. But boy, when they had a disagreement, everyone within a block knew it and heard it. Two very loud men yelling. But then an hour later, all was calm. But Kyle, Kyle was the light of his life. Kai adored the ground that boy walked on. He was an amazing father. He was there whenever Kyle needed him. He wanted for nothing. They went together everywhere. It was such a strong bond they had. He would have taken a bullet for that boy. He loved him that much. So, for whatever faults Kai had, and we all have them, he knows in heaven he was an excellent father. I miss him.
5: So, when my mom and Papa Kai first started dating, I did not know Kai Jr. I knew of Kai Jr. He was a few years ahead of me in school, but everyone knew Kai. He was just one of those guys that everyone knew. So... The first time that he came over to meet everyone, I was a little nervous. Kai came in, he didn't shake my hand or give me a what's up. He gave me a bone-crushing, breathtaking hug. And if you've ever been hugged by Kai, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He hugged you, and he meant it. He gave everything he had (laughs) with his hugs. Every time I saw him, didn't matter where it was, at the house, out on town, at the shop, no matter how Kai was, if he was up or if he was down, he always gave me one of those giant Kai hugs. And he always said, love you, bro. And he meant it. And he always meant it. And that is the way that I remember Kai.
2: I first met Kai... Uh, on his visit to Los Angeles. Uh, He was here to see you. Uh, He was here to have a good time in Los Angeles. He was super excited about that. Uh, I'll always remember that Um, in terms of just how cool he thought it was to be able to experience a new place, a new city um, with his little brother. Um, There was just a certain sweetness about it because it reinforced everything you had ever told me about Uh, The relationship you had with your brother um, from the time you were little kids until the time you now were adults uh, out there experiencing the world and trying to make sense of it. And while I didn't get particularly close to him on that visit, uh, I did have the opportunity to do so um, the weekend of your wedding in Northern Virginia. Um, We probably took a couple too many trips to the bar, uh, over those couple of days, um, where we talked about everything and nothing. And, uh, he just had a knack for making you feel really good about yourself. Um, he obviously had a great love of life and he, you know, wanted to have a good time and he wanted the people with him to have a good time as well. Um, and I just remember it sharing lots of laughs, some of them at your expense. Um, and it was just, it just made a good weekend, a great weekend. Uh, and I'll always remember that and uh, hold on to that memory of him. Kai left
0: an impact on so many, as you can hear from some of those testimonials to his friendship and the kind of person he was. And the reality is there are so many people out there that are struggling with addiction and battling their own demons. And if you're listening to this podcast, and that might be new you, know you're not alone. And know there are places you can get help. And if you are a friend or family or loved one to somebody struggling, there's resources for you as well. One of the things I did after Kai died is I created a website in his honor called org, And I worked with addiction specialists to curate resources for both people battling addiction and their families that can help provide some support. So I'll include a link to that website in the show description of this podcast. This episode has been pretty brutal to uh, record, I'll be honest. Um, I will certainly get back to my uh, different uh, topics that will be a bit more upbeat uh, starting next week, but Uh, As it's the anniversary of Kai's passing, I wanted to do something to, to honor him and honor his story. So I want to close with a speech that I gave at the Martin County Sheriff's Association when they honored my brother after his death caused them to change some policies that helped them take down some of the drug rings that were Uh, taking too many lives uh, in the town of Stewart, where I'm from. And I'm going to close with that letter. And I want to thank you again for listening to Kai's story. I'd give everything not to be talking about Kai's life in the past tense. I suppose I have Kai to thank for being in this world at all. When he was five, he begged my parents for a little brother. Nine months later, I was born. Yeah, I know. I always found it a little strange. My parents knew the exact date I was conceived, but I was a kid. Who's I'd argue? I have so many amazing memories growing up together. Kai cruising us around a Connecticut marina in a Zodiac boat, sailing the waters off the Northeast. My parents giving us $20 and quarters so we could play video games all night at the marina while they got drunk. Hey, it was the 80s. Don't judge. Kai breaking my collarbone twice. Traveling to Germany, moving to Florida, Kai taking me on my first trip to Florida State in Tallahassee. All right, you know, in hindsight, those Collarbone episodes weren't actually fond memories, but I guess I'll take them at this point. Kai was always a free spirit, whether it was his brew crew at Martin County High School growing up or his independence in the Navy. He marched to the beat of only one drummer, his own. He taught me so many things how to make mixtapes for girlfriends, how to sneak out of the house and back in at night without getting caught, how to deal with a breakup and mend a broken heart, and how to chase life, not just live it. To know Kai was to love Kai. He was the most generous and genuine person I ever knew. I wasn't alone in thinking that, as you heard from the stories before. You know, Reading a lot of the stories that his friends shared after his death really just confirmed the depth of love that we all had for Kai. His smile and laughter filled a room. His bear hugs could literally take your breath away. His warmth and compassion knew no bounds. The proudest moment of his life was the day he became a father. His son was his North Star, the thing that kept him grounded in life. He loved him with every ounce of his being, and he was so proud of the young man that he's become. My heart aches for Kyle. No kid should lose their father at 15. It's heartbreaking. But I promise him that I'll be there every day for him for the rest of my life. You know, as rich as Kai's life has been, the last couple of years before his death were a struggle. He went through a divorce... When we lost our father, it definitely took a toll on him. And he battled depression, pain, and then found his way to addiction. Sadly, looking back, you can't tell Kai's story without the word addiction. You know, as a society, we tend to demonize and stigmatize addiction with no thought or care to the underlying issues and causes which may lead to it. We make it difficult for those who are struggling to reach out for help. We write people off for making bad choices, as if addiction is a choice, and we discard their lives without taking a moment to reflect in the mirror at ourselves. Kai didn't want to face this judgment, so he kept his addiction a secret. He was too proud to ask for help, too strong to be vulnerable. I wish every day he wasn't. You know, we all have our struggles in life. If you're listening to this, my guess is you or someone you love may be hurting, Maybe they're too proud to come to you for help. Maybe they're hardwired to believe the definition of strength is to keep that pain bottled up inside. I hope Kai's legacy will be one of empathy and caring because that's what he stood for for so many. If you want to honor his memory, think of those you love who may need your help. Let them know you love them. Let them know you're there for them. And then follow up on your words and actually be there. They may not let you in right away, but you have to show them empathy and keep trying. I'm going to honor Kai's memory by making a point to be there for my friends and family, as Kai would. I'm going to honor his memory by living my life with the generosity, thoughtfulness, and care he did. I will honor him by loving his son. I will honor him by loving my daughters, fully and completely, just like he did. Kai is no longer with us, but his spirit and memory will be with us forever. I love him, I miss him, and I will never forget him. Rest in peace, sweet brother.